0: let's uh let's jump into the uh as we move towards the end of galatians we're going to have just a, maybe a sermon or two next week we'll finish up this this book and i'm going to go back and summarize uh the book in the two weeks and then we'll be done with galatians and we'll move back and we'll be moving into the uh, probably the holidays for thanksgiving there's a couple of sermons I want to get in between, but we're going to focus into some of the seasonal things will be in Christmas before you know it. And so then the next year we'll pick back up in Acts and move back into the uh, missionary journeys of Paul again. But for today we're going to focus on uh, picking up on the tail end. Uh, we've been looking at at the particular issue of the tension that Paul is having to deal with in the in the community of Galatia, and so last week we talked about this oppositional love that that there's this love of the the flesh and there's this love and the desire of the spirit, but uh, I'm taking that theme that's in that's in Galatians five. But we're going to contrast this, as Paul does, with all of these themes. We're going to look at what it means not to be oppositional, but to be cooperational. Is that a word? I made it up, or I can use it. But you get the idea that you're going to look at this apostle of of a heart set free, and you're going to look at some particular things in in this chapter that if you... If you keep the whole context in mind, it will make more sense to you. But to understand what the Spirit of God does in the heart of each believer, we understand um, that he's rescued us from this kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin, the kingdom of, of Satan, the kingdom of the flesh, the kingdom of the world, and he's brought us into this marvelous kingdom that he's broken in, and it's our inheritance and the thing about inheritance, you don't usually get this until somebody passes, but not for not so in the Christian life. He gives you the down payment of the Holy Spirit, the pledge, he seals us, and then we get a taste of heaven. We know what forgiveness because he's already removed any condemnation for us. We get a taste of what heaven is like as heaven comes down and the kingdom comes, we pray, because the kingdom of God is within you. The ruler of nations is the ruler of Joetta. The ruler of nations is the ruler of Kim. He is your king and he is as Lord on the throne of your heart. And yet, to understand what it means to have that freedom to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. You have to be in the presence of the Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit. You've got to hear Him to know the directions and the guidance and to understand what He's trying to do because He is doing a redemptive work in changing your relationship with Him. And in so doing, He changes the way you relate to yourself, and in changing the way you relate to yourself, you begin to express that same kind of grace, that same kind of gentleness, that same kind of spirit that Christ had. And so, when 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 Paul would say, uh, "I I want to, you to be encouraged," courage is needed for battles. And this certainly is the reality that we have a battle. But if there's an encouragement in Christ, it's because you have a consolation, a resource, that you are loved. No matter what you go through. And a love that nothing you can do will damage and forfeit that love. That should comfort us. But if there's any... Uh, Consolation, any fellowship of the Spirit. And there it is. And as as I'm pointing these things out, as you read the New Testament, hopefully you'll see the New Testament open up in every book you read because you'll see these themes constantly focused in on on the Gentile community because the Gentiles don't have the 2,000 years of Old Testament history as a people. Israel did have that. And yet in every New Testament book where the nations are reached and the Gentiles come in, Gentiles don't know how to love. But the Jewish folks were told from the beginning, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. They understood that. They understood that and had trouble doing that. But that's the Old Testament. But with the New Testament, you are introduced as Jews and Gentiles, as people are brought together into a redemptive community, we understand that we are different. We do not have the spirit of the world. As Paul would say, we have received the spirit from God himself that we might understand and know and then experience what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives. And therefore, those who are following the Spirit of Christ, the resurrected Lord, He's ascended, who sent the Spirit down, to help us understand Christ, it, it leads me to this title, and the title, you know, is the Spirit-led mindfulness. The mind, the mind that's set on the Spirit... As opposed to the mind set on the flesh, this spirit led mindfulness, let me talk a little bit about this before we get into the the passage itself. If you hear the word mindfulness it's a buzzword it's an it's a new age word it's a psychological word it's a word used in yoga and so if you hear this word mindfulness, you really had to be careful. Uh, with words because words have meaning and in this case if you go to the the eastern thinkers it means you shut off everything else in the world that you take a moment and you become mindful of your existence and your presence your body your emotions and so there's a sensitivity that takes place when you uh start to reconnect all that's going on inside of you emotionally. But it means you step into the moment and you're fully aware of who you are in that moment. So that's mindfulness in the in the general sense. And the noun means, this is from the dictionary, it's the state of being conscious. So consciousness, consciousness, uh, uh, uh Raising up a consciousness of being aware uh, of the wider dimensions, uh, of the wider uh, uh, traditions that are going on. But it also means uh, that there's a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, your thoughts, your body. So it's used a lot in therapy usually accompanied by breathing techniques and slowing your body down. So that's good. There's another word that you may have been, if you're in this pop culture, you'll hear this word. It's not, you won't, we won't use it here much in this community because it's a black African-American word. It's called woke. Are you woke? Anybody hear this word before? Yeah most people don't but if you are in the in the flow of this group uh, it means something totally different to be woke means to be aware it means to have a sense of awareness you're you're awake but this word has a special meaning to be aware of the important facts and issues especially the issues of Social and racial justice. And used in the black community, uh, you'll find this word um, really dealing with the injustice and social uh, systems of institutionalized racism. And and, and and it really has a significant influence <clears throat> in motivating people. And for the church to be woke... Uh, And there is a movement in churches to embrace this movement of being a woke church. It means that you're a church that's given to addressing and joining in the social um, revolution that's taking place. It's not new, it's just it's gone through another generation of cycle that's rooted in this theological, the theology of liberation. And when I was in Mexico, I ran into that, and it's part Marxism. It's part the people first. Liberate the people. And so, this is what God is after. Jesus is after the marginalized people. So, we're going to liberate those minorities and liberate those people who are not involved in the mainstream of society. And so, but be careful. Be very, very careful with this. Of these groups. Is it, is the point of departure for biblical interpretation, resulting in black liberation theology, feminist theology, gay theology. And so what you're buying into is a worldly philosophy that's underneath this, if you're woke, aware of this, is that the critical component of this thought is to look at these groups. There's an oppressive group and an oppressed group. And therefore, the people in control have to be addressed, so there's a revolution that 's called and make no mistake the uh, it is not liberation that they 're after it's not it 's not biblical liberation they're after, so in this book, it says. That those who embrace this critical theory basically puts humanity in the center of everything and whatever serves to liberate humanity is the focus and therefore it's not Christian. But it will tie into a lot of the Christian thinking because we do want justice. And the Old Testament does talk about justice, but not with this group. They worship freedom, but not Christ. And so there's a lot of things, and I just want to make you aware of the fact that, that this, this world that's influencing us, that influenced the Galatians, that they were being pulled and bewitched by the Judaizers in their culture in that day. Likewise, church, be aware that the world will influence the church, and if the church isn't following the Spirit, the church will follow the world. And that is Dangerous because you have now distorted the gospel, and a distorted gospel leads to distorted people. And you've heard this this week. When you hear the authority of Scripture being lowered to another authority that's institutionalizing any kind of ungodly, unkingdom principle, and therefore you see it. In the news. When the church becomes accommodating to the world, the gospel is distorted. We are not out to change the world. We are out to do the will of God. And that if that is not our intent, we too will be most vulnerable, like the Galatians. We're no different. We're no different. But you have to understand, what the world does not understand is that Christianity is not just about self-denying. It's about fleshly, sinful, unrighteous, ungodly denying. This is the ethnocentric, the self-serving, the demanding, personal uh, focus that we have. You are here for me as opposed to what Christ wants us to know, that we follow Christ. And with Christ, we discover that the truth is not about getting what we want, but about getting what he wants for us. As we, as we really align our desires with the desires of the Spirit, then we end up loving and serving the Lord. And that's what, that's what this is all about. Is that when, when Jesus would often, often, Did I say often? Jesus would often teach this as a a primary, as a base note as you go through the Gospels. All the Gospels have this. Paul has this. John has this at the end. He says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. The idea that you're going to be led by the flesh or led by the Spirit is the choice that you are called on to make. It's not about evil desires so much as it is, who are you serving? Who are you surrendering to? Is it the material world of success? Is it, is it the monetary world? Is it the, is it the trying to be a people pleaser? Because that was, that's what Paul found in Galatians 1. I'm not trying to please people. Because if I were a people pleaser, a man pleaser, I wouldn't be serving the Lord. And so Paul is very clear in this. And Jesus said again, what's required of you is to learn that you need to take up a cross. And that fleshly attitude that you see in doing the legalistic thing, to doing the religious thing, to doing the civil action, to do whatever yoga, whatever mindful, it is not a biblical call. Whereas the biblical call for us is to put to death the things of the flesh in order to enjoy the freedom of the Spirit. The goal is not just to beat yourself over the head or deny yourself. The goal is to be free. free freedom. And the Spirit's desire is that you would not be caught up, self-absorbed, self-serving, selfishly ambitious about your needs when the whole world belongs to Him. This is not your world. You are, you are living in God's universe, and you belong to the Lord. But if you walk away from Him and you give yourself to others, you, 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 you think in a distorted way. And therefore, some people understand that if I lose my life, I gain my life. At the end of Paul's, in Philippians, he says, for me to to lose is to gain, to die is to gain. I don't have to hold on to what I got because I got more. And Paul is very free to walk away. So was Jim Elliot. He who is no fool, who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And when he went to the beach and the Indians uh, met him as a missionary and speared him to death without any ministry going whatsoever, the death of Jim Elliot reproduced into hundreds and hundreds of missionaries being called into the field. But he was a martyr for Christ. Therefore, to understand that this being led by the spirit, to be sensitive to the fact that that God wants us not just to be focused on the flesh, but there's more. There's so much more. And that's where Paul ends up in the Galatians passage, that if we're going to find one message, this is the message. There's just one message. Can you read it all? Here it is. The liberty is the work of the Holy Spirit. Can you read that? The liberty is the work of the Holy Spirit. This liberty is the work of the Holy Spirit. This liberty is the work of the... Can you get the point? God wants you free. And that freedom doesn't come because of what you do. It becomes because of what He does. He sets you free. And to understand that I... I think about this transition, this transformation that takes place. I can change my mind. I can change my politics. I can change my house. I can change lots of things. But I can't change my heart. He can. Praise God, he can. He can set me free from this wretched, self-centered thinking that I've got that's always been about me. But he goes into not just liberating me, So I'm free to be me. That sounds like a song from Frank Sinatra. Uh, I'm liberated for his desire to make me a more loving person. That's what the Spirit wants for you. That's what the Spirit wants for me. That you become an enlarged heart of compassion and grace, that you are liberated to love and to serve. A liberated life without love is not a Spirit-filled life. A life without love is not liberated. And only by being led by the Holy Spirit we have the life to love. And therefore to understand that what Christ is after, what the Spirit The work of the Holy Spirit, we said in Ephesians, that your heart is the workbench of the Holy Spirit, created for good works. And therefore, as David from the Old Testament and and Paul in the New, he creates in you and me a new heart. We are regenerated when we're born again. Well, let's go into Galatians, because we've been talking about two kinds of people Uh, Two kinds of groups, two kinds of gospels, two kinds of identities. There's two freedoms. Not just a freedom from the law, but a freedom to love. But there's two mindsets, and there's two realities, two masters. And you see Paul always doing this contrast all the way through, And it comes now to Galatians 6 that there's two kinds of relating. As you think about this, one is in opposition, resisting the Spirit. That fist is up there. Or this cooperation. I'm yielding and I'm aligning my life with the purposes of God. Not just for me, but for the peace of God. And therefore, you're lifted up way beyond just a self-preoccupied goal. I want to have a good life and abundant life and whatever that's involved. But one is dependence upon the Holy Spirit, where you understand that the Spirit is going to speak to you, instruct you in the night, while you're in the shower, while you're driving down the road. The Lord is near, walking with you, leading you, if you're listening to Him. And the other is argumentative, cynical, uh, resistant, and has this me-first agenda. But when you have the Spirit of God, you can always mark those people because it's not about me. It's not about the self. So there's there's a maturing in the freedom of Christ. So when you go into Galatians 6, what you've got in Galatians 6, 1 through 10, real quickly, is you've got a, a, a freedom that, that reflects a spiritual, healthy church that has the mind of Christ. That's the Philippians passage. Listen as I read Galatians 1, or Galatians 1 through 10. You who are spiritual, even if anyone is such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one... Looking to yourself, so that you will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. For the one he sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Ah, But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart. In doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are of the household of the faith. There are six things in this passage, and I want you to read it in context Because if you don't, you're going to miss what Paul is doing here in in the book of Galatians. And you will miss what he's doing here. To cherry pick this out, you are going to add a meaning that's not here. So listen to these six things. The six marks of a liberated community that lives with the spirit-led mindfulness. One. There'll be correction. Two think there's about the think about the compassion that comes in three the consideration for the consciousness the convictions five and the community six and when you think about these go into this passage let me let me explain this remember these people were being bewitched by the judaizers and they were foolishly giving in and following people who were fleshly, and Paul says, well, okay, now if you're going to follow the Spirit because you are in the Spirit, you're going to be led by the Spirit, imagine that these guys who gave themselves to these guys because they liked these guys, and they liked what they said, and they said, oops, we're wrong. I, I guess Paul was right. We, we don't want to associate with you any longer. We want to come back and follow the Spirit, and these, this Paul is right. Imagine if you were one of those guys who were duped and you were coming back into the mature group. How would you feel? You made a mistake. You, bought, you, you bet on the wrong horse. You went down the wrong road. You made a mistake. And you come back. It says, if anyone is caught in any trespass... If you're caught up in sin and, you're, and you realize you've made mistakes and you, and you weren't wise and you, you regret you did what you did and, but you're caught, you're back in bondage again to be liberated and restored, you've got to come back into a group where you say, you know, I, I confess, I, I didn't really understand. It means that you have to be teachable, to be corrected to know what's wrong. And, and to move towards what is right takes a, rec- takes a humility. It takes a sense of, 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 of coming to a, an honest moment where you say, I'm aware that I'm not mature. And when you make mistakes and relationships are blown, the person who fails in relationship comes back into the church Church, how do you meet people like that? One, you've got to be aware of the fact that somebody's really trying to come back, he's going to be corrected because that's what the Word of God does. It teaches, it reproves, it corrects, and trains. So we've got to have this honesty to say, yeah, that wasn't right. And what this means is this. You've got to be hard, firm with the truth but you got to be soft on people. And that's why the second point is if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you're going to have a compassion. That compassion is, Paul says, with this, those who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. If you are not following the Spirit and you're not being led by the Spirit in this relationship, you will have this come up. I told you so. And what on earth do you think you were doing, son? When you have an ungentle spirit, you have a sense of just, there's a self-righteousness that comes in. Just like the brother of the prodigal son He says, man, Dad, you always give him the goods, and I've been with you all. And you've got this, I can't enter into the party because I've got this chip on my shoulder. This idea that you are better than this guy because you didn't do those things. And Paul says, be aware of the fact that you've got a log in your eye. And you're judging this brother, not with gentleness, but with judgment. That's Galatians 5 in the flesh. But with compassion, you begin to see and think, here he is, and he's requiring of me to be gracious. If I'm not going to be following the Spirit, I won't be gracious. I'll be argumentative. I'll be... I told you so I, I there was one friend of mine i couldn 't believe is uh, his sister-in-law committed suicide, and his point was, well, she made her bed she's now lying in it. Just with the coldness of heart, he had no sense of the the struggles that she was going through. When you have compassion. Jesus looked upon the people as sheep without a shepherd. People make mistakes without a shepherd. That's what the flesh does. But to have the Spirit of God bring a sense of gentleness means that your spirit has to be humbled. Which leads us to the third point. There's a, uh, there's a consideration. Uh, let me jump to four. There's a consciousness about a spiritual Pride. That he says in verse uh, verse three, "If anyone thinks he is something, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You can be deceived and not be mindful, not be aware of how you come across, and think that you're right, but you're really wrong because you're not loving, you're not free to love, because you think you're spiritual. And this idea, I can look down my nose, I can judge other people, I can categorize and think I'm doing okay. Paul says, be careful, be aware, uh, because you are in deception. Each one must examine his own work, and then he will have some reason for boasting. You may be right, but your rightness doesn't justify your unlovingness. And so he says boasting in regard to himself alone, not in regard to one another. And this is what he ends chapter 5 with, by the way, verse 29. If we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. In other words, there's a freedom from the Spirit to be leaving your own position and entering into what's going on into somebody else's World. Third, he says, he says, if you're being led by the Spirit, you are called to carry a burden. And if you're going to be a companion that comes alongside, you don't need somebody putting more pressure on you. You need somebody to get underneath and lift your burdens. Now what's a burden? A burden is stress. It's too much. There's something, there's just too much weight. There's too much, it's too much. And so a friend that's led by the Spirit will come to serve and lift the burden. And that's the difference between someone who's demanding you, you do what you need to do, because he says, Paul goes on to say, he says, I'm not just going to take all of this off your shoulders. You have some work to do. Notice the words here are different. There's a burden and then there's a load. And the correction is to say, you have responsibility to do what you are responsible for. I'm not going to lift your responsibility and take it off of you. But you have work to do. I will help you. I won't do your work. The guy got out of prison. is now mooching off his mom. His brothers and sisters are all over him. Because this guy isn't being responsible. Paul says, you have to carry your load. The one, um, he says, uh, each one will bear his own load. And therefore, for someone to be following the Spirit, you have to give people responsibility for what they are responsible for and let them grow up in maturity. But you don't rescue people from irresponsibility. You rescue them from ignorance, from uh, resistance and, and foolishness. But you give people the freedom to say, the Spirit of God will help you carry your load. I will too, but you've got to do your part. And therefore, what that meant is for the Gentiles are coming into the Jewish. And the Jewish people going into the Gentiles, they are now wanting to help each other carry their loads. When before they say, we're out of here, leave us alone. You stay on that side of heaven, I'll stay on this side of heaven, we'll be all fine. This is the community that says if you're going to be involved in the Spirit and you get the Spirit and you get the Spirit and the Spirit calls you together to carry each other's burdens, that's what we do. Then you move into the idea of convictions. Verse 5. He says, uh, verse 7. Do not be deceived. You've gone from people, you've gone to self awareness, and now you're mindful about God. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he reap. For the one sows to the flesh, one will reap to the flesh. Corruption. But you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. You do your responsibility. You're sensitive, you're mindful, you're obedient. But the idea is there are spiritual laws. There are conditions that you can't break. You may break and violate and change man's laws, but you will not violate and change the eternal laws of heaven. You break those laws, you will suffer. You reap what you sow, and the conditions of the earth are true all the way across the nations. And that, that call is to say, you sow to the flesh, Brother, stop sowing to the flesh. Give the apple back, and then grab on for the fruit of the Spirit. Because this is the law. You're going to see what kind of man you are by the mindfulness to who you serve. And lastly, he says, if you're being taught something, if it's Spirit. And Paul says if you're free in the Spirit, then if you're being taught something, if a Gentile is teaching a Jew, and, and then the Gentile should be getting something from the Jewish person back in Galatia. It doesn't make a difference. Race doesn't make a difference now. It's about the fact that somebody's giving you something and that you're appreciating that. And so there's a mutual, a reciprocal uh, response going on here in Galatia. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. Now, don't take this out of context. Doing good means that people who are struggling and, and having difficulty coming back into community, they don't care about doing good for others. They don't care about learning from others. They don't want to be corrected by others. Doing good means helping people line up with the Spirit of Christ. It's the ministry of the body to the body. The weak is ministered by the spiritually mature. And Paul says, if you you find somebody like that, you who are spiritual, who's spiritual in this church? What does it mean to be spiritual? It means that you have your daily bread and you sing your songs in private? No, 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 no. If you're being led by the Spirit, you are called to take up a cross, lay aside yourself, follow the Spirit's freedom to be involved with other people, loving them, serving them, carrying their burdens, correcting them, you helping them grow into maturity. That's what this means. And it takes a lot of time because people, we are slow to learn It takes time to grow in Christ. And therefore, to be involved in helping people means you've got to have compassion. You've got to be gentle. You've got to understand what it's like to pull the log out of your eye. And then and only then will you be sensitive to how much time it takes and how much grace is required to be humble and say, Lord, I'm no different. We're all broken. But as a community, I do not lose heart because I know you're struggling. I'm struggling. We're all learning to walk with the Spirit. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. And therefore, He says, "Well, we have opportunity." To household of the faith, good to all people, but especially to those who are the household of the faith. And therefore. Let me just conclude. A life without the Spirit is not liberated. A life without the Spirit is not liberated. Therefore, it won't be done by the law. It won't be done by theological liberation. It won't be done by Black Lives Matter. It won't be done by any of those things. It will only be done by when the Spirit of God regenerates the human heart and sets you free. Without that, you have a humanistic use of religion for human purposes. But a liberated life without love is not a spirit-filled life. Being mindful of the Spirit's desires for us will help us to be mindful of loving others. That's why he set us free. Paul will continue, and he will close next week. But I wanted you to put this in the context because this is the apostle the heart set free. This is Chesterland Baptist set free. If you're spiritual, it means that you're moving in line what the gospel has done for you, that the forgiveness that's yours, the grace that's yours, the kingdom that's yours, the Lord that's yours, the spirits that's yours, this call to be a community, you have a new commandment to love one another. Not just to love, but to be Christ-like in your love. Boy, that's what the Spirit desires. Is that what you desire? Sure. It's what I want. Are you struggling? Sure. That's why we're all here. Well, with that, let's stop here. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation, no longer to serve the flesh, but we're in obligation to be led and follow the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. That you're more committed to my freedom, to our freedom, than we are to your agenda. Thank you, Father, that you are the one that's going to correct us gently. Thank you that you carry our burdens. Thank you that you really give us things to contribute to the body and that you have a community of mind. Father, I do pray that you make us mindful, sensitive, sensitive that we would be led by you you, and that we would be people of the Spirit in this place. Father, be pleased in the, doing what you do here and honor yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.